0: I'm Jeff Wright, and welcome to the Blame to Fame podcast. As an entrepreneur, I have not only built an extremely successful business from scratch, but also employed thousands of men and women and helped them on their path to financial freedom. One of the most common themes for me and everyone else who has succeeded is that we never blame anyone and are aware that our success or failures fall solely on our shoulders. It was not until I hit rock bottom that I realized that only I alone could change my future. And on my podcast, you're gonna hear the stories of successful folks who have gone from blame to fame in their own lives. I look forward to sharing my journey and great guests that will educate you about their path to success. Please join me each week on the blame to fame podcast. All right, today we have a very special guest. We have one of the top plastic surgeons, not only in New York city, but in the airline magazines that you used to see, you don't see them in the, in, on the air, on the airplanes anymore. She's listed as one of the top doctors in America. Uh, she has a very interesting book Um that is called Killer Fillers and the Festoon Pandemic, which kind of sounds like an Indiana Jones film a little bit. You know, Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Dr. Lopa Gupta, doc, doctor, thank you so much for being on and, and welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. It's, it's, it's an absolute pleasure and a privilege to be here.
0: So we were talking earlier. My wife used to have a, a med spa. And when I told her about I was going to be doing this, she had no idea what a festoon is. Can you tell people what a festoon is? Because I don't even know.
1: Absolutely. And one of the reasons I I wrote this book is to raise the awareness of the name festoon. Okay. And so festoons have a number of aliases, they can be called malar bags, malar mounds, cheek bags, under eye bags, which are often confused with eye bags. So there are a number of aliases and because of that, people who have them don't even know what to call them, okay? But basically they're under eye, not the eye area, but just below that in the mid right here, they are mounds of usually these days filler that have accumulated after it could be one injection or serial injections and the filler draws in a lot of fluid. So what happens is that you get a fluid filled mound that surrounds what we call the orbital bone, It's arcuate shape. And this is a condition that is so prevalent right now because so many people are having under eye fillers done for instant volumization. But festoons are under eye cheek mouths.
0: And you were telling me once you get these fillers, they're there for life. They don't disappear. They're in you. Once they're there, they're there. And I, I had no idea.
1: Right. And this is the other reason for the book. In the book, I I highlight that fillers in caps do not go away. Okay. Traditionally, um, the drug representatives, the drug company representatives will come to go to doctor's offices and say, oh, you know, these fillers will dissolve in about a year. So make sure you have your patients come in every year to stick to their annual injection, you know, cycles to maintain the look. And so unwittingly, many doctors sort of fell into this trap of yearly injections. And when fillers first came out about 15 some odd years ago, nobody knew that this would segue into festoons. So those who were doing these serial injections naturally segued into patients having festoons, but they didn't connect the dots. Does that make sense? Because of fillers- We, would, we, were, we were told that they would dissolve, and yet they did not dissolve, but then some of them, some of, some of the filler lingers, and the body encapsulates it, and then it becomes a water magnet. They're hydrophilic. They draw in water. So they'll sit there for years, for a lifetime, creating water issues, fluid issues.
0: Uh, how do you fix these festoons, or are they fixable?
1: So, yes, when I first started seeing them about 15 years ago, traditionally festoons were treated with aggressive laser resurfacing and the theory behind that presumably was that we're improving the lymphatic outflow Mm -hmm. and and tightening the collagen tightening the skin there thereby squashing the the fluid um another treatment was direct excision you just make a cut (laughs) across the cheek and nobody wants a horrible unsightly scar across the cheek so those were the two options that i had to work with when i started seeing festoons about 15 years ago so I said to myself, "This I can't. I can't do this. I have, uh, you know, a lot of professionals in my practice, and some are, you know, in front of the TV screen in theaters. What? So I needed to create something that I could do minimally invasive with a small incision. Um, so I created my technique. But again, at the time, I didn't know if it would work, so I didn't really publicize it. But I do have a technique now, and if you'd like me to talk about that, I will. But, but, okay. but there. Well-
0: you, you know, it's easy for me to see how this could become a big problem for people, mm-hmm. because, you know, until, <clears throat> you know, I got married and my wife was uh, was, you know, had her med spa and, and had injectors that that were doing certain things, you know, Botox and, and fillers. Um, just to kind of see inside that world now, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, I'm in Florida and Florida is kind of the Wild West. Uh-huh. Um, you've got, in, you know, you know, an NP can do injections. A dentist can do injections, you know, down here, probably a veterinarian could do them who, you know, who knows, yes. but it, it, and, but the thing is, is that we would see and hear about, uh, like little arts and crafts fairs, you'd have a tent set up and women just lined up to get, to get fillers and to get Botox for, you know, get, they, you know, they have Botox for, you know, five, $6 a unit. And, and they're sitting in a lawn chair in a tent with it a hundred degrees outside. Um, it, it, it's, and I'm sure you, you've heard about this sort of thing too. So I know that in a lot of States, probably, I would assume that New York is far more regulated than than Florida is for sure. A lot of, uh, you know, all the, all the States are different, but, You know, how how widespread is this of people doing the injections and doing the fillers that at the end of the day, they're really not qualified to do them at all?
1: Well, I think, you know, we have to change laws at the the government level and even at the state level. So I agree with that. New York has these um, Botox parties, but they're more covert. I think in Florida, everything is just overt and out there. Okay, there's no shame in doing anything in public, whereas in New York, it's more discreet. But. They do happen. You know, I live in a suburb in Westchester and I hear about Botox parties at people's homes all the time, you know, and this is rampant, uh, this public publicization of, of, you know, injectables, which is fine. But we have to remember, especially in the under eye area, and I want to say this in all seriousness, is that one of the most devastating complications of fillers in the temples in the under eye area and between the brows, what we call the glabella. One of the most devastating consequences is blindness. Okay. And oh re- yes, yeah, see, oh my God, that's the response I want to hear from you and everyone else who might be listening. And, and people don't realize that you can't just go to a, a person who hasn't gone through four years of medical school, residency, fellowship training, at more clinical courses You can't go to somebody who's not qualified, who doesn't understand the anatomy, the circulation, the dual circulation of the eye, to have a filler done in in, in a tent. Yeah, you know, I lose sleep when I hear about these, even these Botox parties. All right, and and Botox can cause filler uh, festoons too, and and, you know that's a whole other topic. But that is one of another leading cause uh, of festoons when Botox is overdone, because the muscles around the eye, there's a purpose to, there's a lot of important real estate here and you can't just blindly pump and dump filler there. And, you know, it incites, I want to, this is a hard word, but it incites a little bit of anger in me. And, 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 and anger is one of the reasons that propelled me to write this book because there's so much uh, misinformation out there, um, non-information, so much uh, missed diagnoses, you know, there's a lot of a lot of knowledge that needs to be spread and a lot of awareness that I have to disseminate to really get a handle on, on what's going on here.
0: I think one of the biggest problems is that, especially now we live in a society where I want it now. I know I, I, I want to get the shot. I want to, I want to look in, the, I want to look in the mirror and, you know, after it's done, you know, and everything's gone, all the wrinkles are gone. And kind of damn what the consequences are down the road. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we, my wife would tell me she would have young, like girls in their, in their early twenties, even late teens mm-hmm. wanting to come in and get Botox. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she got to the point where she just would look at them and wouldn't do it. In fact, yeah. uh, my wife, she's from, from Russia. So she's very blunt and, I you know I heard her I heard her tell a woman you don't need Botox you need to fucking believe in yourself that's what you need to do.
1: Well, that's good. That's really. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but that's very good.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, but that that's the thing. They 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 and how much of this do you think is fed by? You know social media. You know they see the TikToks and the Instagrams, and they they see these perfect people, and they'll do anything and everything to to try to 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 look like them. In fact, they probably never will.
1: Right. I would say ninety five percent plus is fed by social media, uh, fueled by social media. Because uh, again, I won't mention any names, but a lot of celebrities. If you take away the makeup, the lighting and I've seen them, they They have festoons big time because they've had tons of fillers and also fat grafts that are so popular right now. Fat injections can also, yeah. that's the number two cause of filler, uh, festoons in my practice.
0: Well, okay. yeah, and that's an interesting point, talking about the celebrities, because mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of celebrities that have, that have just had all kinds of botched up uh, mm-hmm. uh, plastic surgery. And these are people that can afford to go to the best. They 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 have the money to to, 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 to get the best that there is. Yes. And so if that's not working for a lot of them, then why are you going to trust your, your, your body and your face and all that to someone basically working in Florida in a circus tent?
1: Yeah. So I think <laughs> and I'm going to surmise here and I'm not saying this as fact, but I believe that many celebrities don't want to be in the public eye. So they disappear to a foreign country to, to recoup and away from maybe Perhaps, you know, there are very good doctors uh, abroad, but maybe they're not they're not doing their due diligence and not getting the best doctors there. But they want to be away from the public eye while they're getting their work done and healing. That's one reason. Number two, maybe that celebrities feel, you know, when they go to a restaurant, do you think the restaurant owner is going to charge them for the meal?
0: No, a lot of times they don't.
1: Okay. When, wherever they go, they have an entourage and there's a sense of entitlement. And I say rightly so, because they're very talented at what they do. But I think that that same sort of philosophy carries over when they go to a, a plastic surgeon. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and I would say many a plastic surgeon may not want to do something for free because it, we're, we are, you know, there's a lot of liability for us when you do something for free, not that we don't want to, uh, people think we didn't do a good job or, you know, it's, it's, it's a psychology of it behind it. So I think that they go to surgeons who just do it for free. Um, and I'm not saying they all do that because they, a lot of them do seek reputable surgeons have tremendous results, but I think some of them just feel the pressure to get what they can because of their status. Yeah. Uh, and so I think then they, their face pays the price, uh, of that, uh, particular surgery that may not have gone Exactly as planned.
0: My wife had gotten some training on a laser from a a plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills. And uh, he I won't say the name of the celebrity, but he said he got paid like 50 grand Mm -hmm. to do some Botox and filler work and did it on a private jet while Mm -hmm. they were while they were traveling, literally did it on the plane. And yeah. I just got back. Uh, actually, just got back last last night. We went to Medellin, Colombia, to a, mm-hmm. a birthday party, and you talk about some plastic surgery. Oh my God! There, there's. You know, my wife would. She didn't want to go down there and wear her wedding ring because she heard about all the stuff. You know, you know, people rob you for things. But we're walking around the mall, and we're seeing all these breast implants and all these butt implants that, that a lot of these women have. And my wife says no wonder they don't wear rings. They're, they, they're wearing their jewelry. yes,
1: Well, I think in many cultures and even here in the U S in you know, in Florida and Beverly Hills, it's a status, um, a symbol. If you've had surgery done flaunted and yeah. if you've, it, it has to be visible. And if it has, if it's that visible, then it's not a natural look. It's, it's a contrived, it's a fake look. It's an artificial look, but you know, to each his own, if that's what makes them happy, psychologically, mentally, I say all the power to them. Okay. But there is a certain group of us, myself included, we, we like the natural look. And like yeah. I say, turn over it to each his own and you're entitled to have whatever look it is that you want. But it's, that's why it's all the more important for the patient to know what the doctor's ethos is and his, his philosophy is about plastic cosmetic surgery. You know, page, doctors often subscribe to their clientele and, and, you know, that may be a business decision. That may be a personal decision. Uh, and, and that's that's fine. All the power to them. But I and, and there's a group of us who feel that the natural look less is more philosophy is my mantra. And that's why I've always been very, very conservative with anything and everything I do, for one. And number two, I'd like to think about not just the short term, but the long term consequences of any anything I do on the face. So we have to keep that in mind.
0: Um, One of the, one of the guys uh, who was a friend of mine who lives in Tampa was also at this birthday party that we attended in Medellin and he had been down there for a couple of weeks and he brought his girlfriend and his girlfriend who I've never met, but she was recuperating at an Airbnb. They had rented. She had 11 hours of plastic surgery 11 oh, wow. hours she had breast implants she had a tummy tuck she had it, it, she had like three or four different procedures and it was all done at one time right. so I can only imagine how that poor girl felt um yeah. but it's that it, isn't that a little extreme
1: it, it is very extreme and again I think the the doctor perhaps is, is subscribing to what the patient wants and not necessarily stating that there, the more procedures we do, the more medical risk you undertake of general anesthesia, just the body recovering from all these various points of entry, if you will, infection yeah. uh, rising. Uh, but, but it, it's, this is, we're in this sort of craze right now, this plastic surgery. And like you said, you, you hit the nail on the head, instant gratification. Everybody wants instant gratification. I have patients who all do very, very complex festoon surgery. And now, mind you, These people are, they've had a facelift, they've had their eyes done, they've had thousands of injections. And then they come to me and so I have to, I spend a couple hours just undoing everything. And you have to understand there's a very, very complex anatomy under the eyes and the the midface area. And then I have to redo. And in two weeks, they look in the mirror like, yeah, doc, the bruising and swelling is gone, but I I, I don't like what I'm seeing. I say, whoa. It took you 15 years to get to this point. Give me at least 15 weeks to, to give you. You know, it, the result evolves. So people want that instant. You know, gratification, and, and it just can't happen, especially when you're doing revisional work, and 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 the, the whole mindset. And I think it's because social media, everything is. You know, press the press a button, and here you have it. There's no. And as my patients say, patience is a rare commodity these days.
0: <laughs> well, and and the other thing, too, like you said, they're they're seeing the the faces of these people and the bodies of these people uh, on, on Instagram or TikTok. But they don't take into account that a lot of those those photos they're seeing are brushed. You know, they're they're Photoshopped, they have, you know, makeup. And and, you know, if you were to see these people when they wake up in the morning. They don't would probably wouldn't even look like the same person.
1: Exactly. And and you know, I can tell you firsthand, they do not. Okay. Yeah. They they look like you and me. There is no difference between what they look like without makeup versus what I would look like without. There is no difference. Okay. Now they are extremely talented at what they do, so I will never undermine their talent. Sure. But and, and they know it themselves that they they tell the cameraman to, to you know, if they have a ptosis on one eye, let's say then they'll say, oh, it could shoot me from this angle or shoot me like that. So the toasters, they have worked with the camera and the lighting to mask or camouflage all flaws that they may have. And we all have flaws, Mm -hmm. nobody. And and so it's true what you say.
0: So is there a, uh, you know, like a, a point of no return or a, I know that like, if you constantly get Botox shots, Mm-hmm. Con, you know, and a lot of people do. Don't you reach kind of a critical mass to where they just don't work anymore? The 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 atrophy just stops, and it, yeah. is that is that right? They th-
1: um, um, you bring me to a very very important point. So, what happens with with Botox is that when you have it injected, it really doesn't go away. Okay, the body just sort of upregulates its receptors; it creates new receptors so that the Botox effect goes away but when you have now if you do a healthy dose of botox it, with respect or disport with respect to the number of units and with respect to the time interval in between the treatments then everything becomes more physiologic and your body can handle it but if you're going in every two months you know uh, or before the full botox effect has gone away then the body can't handle that demand and then you become resistant to the botox okay but Everything in healthy doses, Botox, Dysport can be a permanent uh, improvement, and I'll explain that. So let's say for my for my male patients, I have them come in twice a year for D- Dysport because it lasts about six months. Botox is on the average is about three to four. So for my guys, I always say we're going to do Dysport because guys don't like coming into the office every three months. Um, every time that's done, what what happens is that, the, like you said, the muscles will undergo a little bit of denervation atrophy or disuse atrophy. Okay. And over time, let's say over 10, 15 years, the demand for the number of units of discord that you had when you were younger with thicker muscle, that demand goes down. Okay. So appropriately, if the surgeon or injector knows is, is aware of this, the number of units should also go down. Mm-hmm. and the time interval should spread. So that's, Botox or Dysport done physiologically and in natural doses. And over time, those muscles, like you said, will relax to the point where even at rest, the lines are gone because a muscle has, you know, atrophied. Right. But in, so that way you can keep it going longer periods of time, but not get resistant to the, the, the Botox or the Dysport and not be subject to high doses of Botox.
0: Um, she had some, what's your opinion on threading? Uh, she had a young lady that came in there and did really nice work with threading, which I don't think involves any kind of medication at all.
1: No, I uh, probably have done in the last five years, I've probably done about 20 to 30,000 thread lifts. Okay. It is is the staple of my anti-aging campaign. I cannot say this podcast doesn't give me enough time to talk, talk about threading. Um, So threads are, uh, back, way back when, when we had the contour threads, they were not dissolvable. And again, too many unqualified people were doing them. So the FDA had to pull them because they were popping through and they weren't placed correctly and they were permanent. So they had to be surgically removed. About five, six years ago, the FDA approved dissolvable threads. So the ones I use are um, PDO polydioxinone threads and they are the same suit. They're made out of a suture material uh, the same suture material that is used in facelifting. Okay, so it's a okay. tri-thread. It dissolves in about six to nine months. And whoever created these can—they're on a cannula. Okay, so there's no needle on it. There's no needle on the threads if you use the cannulated ones. Furthermore, they have little barbs on them. It's not likewise. It's very soft. Okay, the barbs just catch the skin. So when they're placed, when they're placed the body, the the threads will melt, start dissolving, but then the body lays down a robust collagen response, not just surrounding thread, but in a cone-like distribution. And what it does is it gives it a subtle lift, but also it rejuvenates the skin. The tone improves, fine lines go away because you're building collagen, a good amount of collagen in the skin. So for me, thread lifting is a staple in my non-surgical anti-aging practice. Um, and, And I use facelift principles to do my thread lifting. So I use the largest ones on the market, um, and I pull up, pull back, and, and then and then basically ask the patient to wait two three months for the result to kick in, and and it's lasting up to two to three years. Now I will say this disclaimer that I'm a surgeon, I do do facelifts, so I know the surgical anat- anatomy, and I do them with Novocaine, with Lidocaine, so there's okay. no pain. But. Okay. I will stop there because I can go on and on about the threat lifting, but does that answer your question?
0: it, it does um, uh, but a lot of people um, I would guess would would still opt for Botox and whatnot because that's more of the instant gratification versus the threading, which you said does work but it takes it, it works over time.
1: I beg to differ um, in that you know you have to understand what each modality we have, everything has a different purpose, serves a different purpose. Botox, Botox will relax the muscle lines. Okay. The okay. does give about a 10, 15% instant gratification because the, the, the barbs are there and you have an instant catch of the skin. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there is an instant gratification, but it's one of those things where it just gets, it's the gift that keeps giving. Okay. And I call it my undercover hero because the thread, you can't see it, but it's working full time for you building collagen. Um, so if you understand as an injector, what each modality does, and I like to mix it up. So, you know, for skin rejuvenation, for collagen building, I'll do threads, I'll do a uh, radius, you know, I'll do some laser resurfacing treatments. There's a whole bunch of, you know, new techniques and ideas that we have to work with that, that really have been proven by science. And, you know, there's always surgery there, but there are so many non-surgical tools we have now in our arsenal that are wonderful to work with.
0: You um, like one of the things my wife does is she uh, she helps particularly guys help grow their hair back. Mm-hmm. So so she she does laser. She does PRP injections. She's been using exosomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do any of that at all, uh, like scalp rejuvenation with like through PRP um, or microneedling? Or?
1: Yes, I do a lot of that. And I use, uh, it's called low-level laser technology, LLLT. So it's, it's a hood. And when I do PRP injections, I'll have the patient sit under the hood for about half an hour. That works at the mitochondrial level. Okay. It's low level. So there's no harm to the skin. There's no overheating. After about 20 minutes, you just feel a slight warmth to your scalp, which is totally natural and, and, and intentional, but it stimulates ATP production in the mitochondria. Okay. That, that means the cell itself will have more energy. So by giving nutrition to the follicle, you're going to allow that follicle to fall out less quickly. Okay. And, and you're going to have, so less fallout, and you're also going to allow follicles that are terminal hairs, which don't normally sprout. You're going to give them a boost of energy. So they're going to start sprouting. And your hair, their hairdresser will say, oh, you got a lot of new growth. And those are just terminal hair sprouting.
0: So- you know what's, it, what's really interesting is um, she could help someone look younger with their skin. They'll tell everyone they know. She would help people lose weight. They would tell everyone they know but it didn't matter if it was a man or a woman in whatever results that she got them with their hair, they would never say a word because the hair is so sensitive to them. They don't the want very, anyone to know that they got any kind of help with their hair.
1: It's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a private area. In fact, yeah. you know, any cultures, uh, you know, Jewish cultures, uh, Muslim cultures, even Sikhs in India, they cover their hair. Yeah. Because it's a private part. Remember that hair is a private part. And, and so it, 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 you have to be very discreet and, and very respectful of that for certain you know, cultures and religions. Um, but it, going along with what I was saying is that the low-level laser is one tremendous uh, way to uh, maintain hair and to even enhance what you have. But also the PRP injections, I find them very, very valuable.
0: I'll Tuesday. tell you a really funny story. Please do. <laughs> was it funny to her? She had just gotten this, this new laser. And uh, a friend of ours who is is pretty popular guy, he's on TV a lot, and does, does a lot of his own commercials, he says, hey, I want to come in and try it. So she had already been helping him regrow his hair. Well, mm-hmm. what had happened was this is the first time she had used the machine. And so the machine has got the you know you've got the handle and it has the wire that goes to the unit. Well, then you have the control panel. Well, apparently she bumped into into the control panel or the wire hit it or something, and it it jacked up the intensity from you know from a from a one to a nine.
1: Oh boy! And, <laughs>
0: and she's sitting there talking, and all of a sudden he looks down and says, "Why the hell's their hair all over the floor?" She uh-huh. was liter- she literally burned the hair off of him. Oh my goodness. He got so mad. He left. She called me crying and screaming. And I said, you know, thank God it happened to him because he, he would be so embarrassed to tell anybody that he was having anything done. He ain't going to sue you. He's not going to do anything. And, And so like two weeks later, he calls me up and he says, Hey, do you guys, uh, Uh, you guys want to go out on the boat with us this weekend? And I said, yeah, that sounds, yeah, that'd be great. So I called her, I called her at office. I said, well, he doesn't hate you because he just invited us to go out on his boat. And then, Uh, you know, she saw him and, and, you know, it says, yeah, I know things happen and and whatnot. So he was a good sport about it, but a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't have been.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that brings us to another point. You really have to know, you know, Uh, Nothing against your wife at all, but a laser or any technology is a tool in the right hands and a weapon in the wrong hands. And accidents can happen, okay? Absolutely. And we have to make sure that all precautions are taken, laser safety, goggles, you know, understanding the parameters, the settings, training your staff. It's all so important. So, so much goes into rejuvenation. It's not something that can just be taken up with a weekend course, you know? Yeah,
0: no, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, and I'm, uh, she says, "Well, you know, it was an access, not an excuse. That you know, that it was an accident. It's not an excuse. You have to be more cognizant of what you're doing, and really, you need to be training more on it before you know you you, you set people down into a chair to do it. But now she she operates it like a champ. But uh, yeah. but but before,
1: no, <laughs> that learning curve, you know, and, and it's important to do it without harming anyone."
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you do uh, so you you do all areas of, of plastic surgery, facelifts, tummy tucks, implants. No.
1: Surgically, uh, I'm an oculoplastic, oculofacial surgeon. So my area of expertise surgically, uh the eyelids, um, okay. and I do, I don't do deep plane facelifts, but I do mini facelifts under local. Everything I do is in my office under local anesthesia, including glyphosate. Okay. Festoon surgery, facelifting. And I do liposculpture primarily of the face and a little bit of, you know, sort of sculpting. But I don't do tummy talks. I don't do uh, breast augmentation. I don't do body work per se. Uh, as far as anti aging, I pretty much do everything. I think patients demand that and expect that from their aesthetic surgeon to do, to, to have everything under one roof. So over the past, let's say, 20 years that I've been doing this, every year, I added one new modality.
0: Okay. And okay. so I,
1: I have a good armamentarium now.
0: Yeah. But, you know, from a business standpoint, that's really good, too, because you're not having to spend days a week in a surgical center somewhere that, no. that a lot of doctors do.
1: I, I'm a control freak, and I'm very OCD about controlling my own time. And I knew that if I were subject to a hospital... I would have to, you know, if the other doctor's case ran late, and that would throw off my schedule. So I just, I'll be honest with you, uh, that's I'm, I'm a control freak to a fault. So yeah, I wanted- well,
0: I, I got to tell you, if you're gonna go see a physician, you want to go to a control freak, and and you and and what I really love about what you do is, you know, you you know, for lack of a better term term, you know what where your lane is, and you stay in it. Uh, you, 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 have your area of excellence and, uh, um, and you know, don't try to, you know, dibble and dabble with other things. Okay. And,
1: and it comes to me with uh, asking for rhinoplasty or deep plane facelift. I have a list of referrals. I am quick to hand out that referral because I know what I know, but I also know what I don't know. And it's important to draw that line. And in this world of super specialists, Why should I be dabbling in something that is not in my wheelhouse and subjecting that patient to, you know, uh, a less than optimal result when, you know, there's a colleague of mine who can do it a hundred times better, you know? So
0: I had to have a a years. This is TMI for a lot of people, but uh, I I suffered with diverticulitis for years and about 20 years ago, uh, almost died. uh, Oh, and yeah it was a problem so i had to have a a colomer section done so mm-hmm. i'm talking to the surgeon who i knew mm-hmm. and he's telling me about all these things that you know the, all the process it would go through and i said well how many of these do you do a year he says eh, i do maybe 10 i said a year he said uh, yeah about 10 a year i said well i want the guy that does 10 a day
1: yeah yeah and that's 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 the correct attitude and you know and there there are guys who do 20 a day so yeah. and it's important to get that level because it takes a number of blepharoplasties festoon surgeries whatever it is to really command it yeah. you know and i always say to my patients yeah surgery is one thing but whoever does a lot of them takes it to an art form and when you reach that art form that means you are really a master of your field you're an expert you know and it's true with any any craft
0: yeah. Okay. And, and the thing is, and what people should know, if if uh, like I had this surgery, I was living in Atlanta at the time that I, that I needed this surgery. I actually ended up doing it at Mayo in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And the, the point of that is that it doesn't cost any more or less to have it one or the other other than a plane ticket. Mm-hmm. So you have clients that come in from all over the country, all over the world. Um you know what? It, it it would really be great for for someone, um, you know, who lives here in Miami, who who, you know, may need some things done and doesn't uh, you know, they they go to the jack of all trades, uh, plastic surgeon, you know, versus, you know, the extra cost of 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 coming to New York City to see you who, you know, you're dominant in your space and you're the best at what you do. Uh, you have people flying from other countries as well, don't you?
1: Oh yeah, Uh, Bangladesh, yeah, Pakistan, South America, uh, Europe, France, England, uh, you name it. Germany, they from all over. Iceland, you know, and uh, probably all fifty states by now.
0: Well, Uh, that has to be personally gratifying for you too that that someone would fly halfway across the world to see you.
1: I have to pinch myself. Me and my staff are like, oh my goodness. We have just today in my office in Manhattan, I'll have a doctor who's flying in from Pakistan, a woman who's who flew in from Palm Beach last week, uh, another one from Boston. So it's it's a it's a it's a hoot. Yeah, (laughs) lightly because, you know, people spend a lot of money. They expend a a lot of, you know, time they take time, you know. And so if I didn't have a technique that didn't work, I wouldn't bother you know, but I do right now. I'm the only one who does what I do because I invented it. I will be able to train somebody, but it's going to take me time. What I, what I do right now took me 25, 30 years to master. So it's not an easy task for me, but I will leave some sort of legacy behind. I hope, or somebody will come up with a better technique, one or the other.
0: So what is the name of your clinic? If people want to, uh, want to come and see you?
1: Yeah, so I have two offices, Park Avenue, Facial Aesthetics. We have one office in the city and one in Westchester, White Plains, New York. Okay. And um, basically my whole mantra is let's do everything in the office under local and let's do it naturally. And let's make you look great for your age. I don't want to change who you are. I don't want to change the shape of your eyes. I just want to, you know, take some years off your face and make you look refreshed so that you have more energy in your life to do what you really need to do without any hangups.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And your book, is that available on Amazon? Is that a a read for for anyone or is that mainly focused more towards physicians?
1: It's mostly for patients um, because I'm trying to increase awareness to the younger patients who are delving into the cosmetic journey, just giving them a list of guidelines to ask themselves and to their doctor before they even think about any injections. So hopefully they'll read my guidelines, and number two, to offer hope to those people who have festoons who've been told by eight plastic surgeons, no, there's no cure. There's no cure. No, there is a cure. Okay, and so I, I sort of highlight how I evolved into this technique, how I created it, my backstory a little bit. I dumbed down a little bit, but I think you know there, there has to be some science. I'm a surgeon, you know. um yeah. are about anatomy on your face, so you have to know the basics, and so it's understandable, but there yeah. is. There's science. There's testimonials. There's photos, before and after photos. There's a little bit of my story, which people have found that to be the most interesting part of the book. But so be it. <laughs> yeah.
0: And if people want to follow you, you 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 have a great Instagram. Uh, you know, we follow each other on. It's Doctor mm-hmm. Lopa at Doctor
1: Lopa. Um, I just began Instagram not too long ago. I am have not been a social media fan, but I felt like if I really want to increase awareness of my mission, my saving face mission, let's call it, um, you know, it was important to get some social media presence. So I'm, I'm evolving as a social media specialist.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, you're that's good because you're becoming a specialist in social media, helping <laughs> fix a lot of the problems that social media is creating.
1: I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> and, you know, with people like you, I think you're going to empower me. OK. And I appreciate that.
0: Oh, Thank well, i tell you, you said this was your first podcast. You you did a great job. Thank you. Very- and very informative and uh, and always like come, coming, walking away from one, learning something new. And boy, did I learn a lot of new stuff today. Oh. Have, have you by any chance talked to, uh, if you haven't, uh, I can get, or uh, the people at 2MM can, can tell you about him. Dr. Rock Pastiano, who's also in New York. He's foot and ankle surgeon.
1: I I I will look into that. Um I know 2MM has connected me with uh, you know like you uh very prominent podcaster so he might be on that list that they gave me.
0: He is an absolute riot to talk to. He actually he actually owns the rights to Joe DiMaggio's name.
1: No, oh, wow. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's such he's such a cool guy. Such good. In hey, fact, I, I will
1: drop liver. Okay. I beg your pardon. I said you're no chop liver. <laughs> oh,
0: thank you. <laughs> thank you. It it was funny though. And and this is kind of the the great thing about doing this is you get to meet s- such cool people like yourself and not long ago I was running through an airport trying to catch a a, a connection and one of these transporters who was pushing this really big woman in a wheelchair hit my ankle knocked me down got up kept running to the plane the next morning when uh, i was in the hotel room and i put my foot on the uh, foot on the floor i thought i was going to die it it was all bruised up and and all that so I started taking pictures of it and sending it to Doctor Rock and like what what do I do? He's like, well, you need to go get a damn X ray and it, it ended up being okay, but oh, <laughs> but it's just you know that, that's the thing about getting you know getting to do this, having the opportunity to meet so many great people and whatnot. Um, it's really eye opening and 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 I can't wait to be on your podcast one day because <laughs> if you don't have one, you need to.
1: Oh, you're so kind. Thank you so much. Well, I really enjoyed this, and I hope uh, I, I uh, didn't, uh, you know, bore anybody with details, so to speak.
0: No, absolutely uh, not. Folks, <laughs> give her a follow uh, if you need it, if you need some some facial plastic surgery. And there's her book. Yeah. Killer <laughs> Filler and the Festoon Pandemic. Pandemic, like, you got it. I love it. Doctor, thank, thank you. you so much for being on. We really do appreciate it. And uh and, enjoy. And I hope this reaches reaches a lot of people that uh that educates them and maybe helps them take some action on on maybe not making fast moves but better moves and let's see in the long term. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: All right, take care.